Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Battle Lines. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. On Warren Radio Battle Lines broadcast, we feature an in-depth Bible study each week. All correspondence and inquiries of the WIBR Warren Radio Network can be sent to us through our contact page on warren-usa.com. And I just want to add that we love hearing from each and every one of you, so please keep those letters coming. We enjoy them. We pray for you. All the prayer requests are taken seriously. We want you to know that we do care and we love you. And today is February, not February, it's May 21st, Thursday, 2020. And the scripture reading this week is found in Numbers chapter 1, starting at verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 20. Hosea chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. And the um, New Testament portion is 1 Corinthians 12, chapter chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. Be sure to follow the WIBR Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag WatchmanIS216, hashtag Warren Radio. And you can find us on LinkedIn by... Hashman Watchman, I mean hashtag Watchman, and follow us on USA.life or MeWe by going to hashtag Warren Radio. And the Warren Radio Network is available through the following carriers Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Players, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addicts. CastBox, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Deezer, and Podchaser. And you can also listen to the shows by going to warren-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com. And please take time to read the articles by the Watchmen. They're important. They apply to the day and age we're living in. They're edifying. And they're also inspired. And this week we feature... Defrocking America, Attacking American Dreams. Defrocking America, in its fullest desire, finds itself in recent history. America remembers the famous Senator McCarthy, who spoke of the enemies in our government, dead set on bringing down America. He had many enemies. Today, America has its enemies and elected politicians, dead set on bringing the America you know to another state altogether. Foundations of God stands true. Our future includes being redeemed, resurrected, and reigning. To be sure, the Lord knows those who are his own. Yet today, for those on this planet, much turmoil and tribulation occurs. More is coming. Be sure of it. For that is at stake in the souls of men. There is the fountain of foundation of God, which is truth. God cannot lie, and his word stands. For, believer, for believers, there is a seal to which has brought us into the beloved. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And also the Lord's lighthouse keeper. A city on a hill cannot be hid, nor can a lighthouse that is brightly shining on a high outcrop of the rocky cliffs overlooking the seas of life. Keep the lighthouse maintained so that the light will shine for all of those passing by in the stormy seas or in the light in the dark of night. And now I invite the watchman. You are listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warren-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dan. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. It's good to be here. Yes, it is. We had a few issues last night on the on the show, and we have had a few issues with uh, the way we connect to uh, Blog Talk, and we were looking at other alternatives and so we've got a temporary solution we're working on now um but at any rate uh we will do uh this week's show that was scheduled for the advocacy we'll do that next week and uh i've also been searching out a lot of other avenues for other shows that'll carry the same show but on different platforms and so that's good. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, we've already got quite a few, and we're extending the reach wherever we can. And, of course, this reach goes around the world, so that that makes it good. We only got a certain amount of yeah. time we're going to be able to do this in. One day it'll all be closed down. Uh, you can be sure that one day the Internet will not only not be free, it will cost you. Did you watch that video that I showed that I put on our private chat? No. About the platform, the new platform? No. No. This was about uh, uh, what was happening to the internet. Um, no, and it I, was, no, I didn't. It, it was a TED talk. Is is what it was. Oh no, and the, no, yeah. And the guy that did this is the creator and founder of MeWe, and we're on MeWe. And uh, he talked about how um, you know a lot of the people, everybody that's online, uh, they're selling practically their souls to the devil. Literally, oh, I believe that. Uh, so to speak, because of all the information that they do, they they literally set you up to um, be used, you know, for their financial gain. That, that's mainly what it what it amounts to. But at any rate, uh, those are my words for it. 
Um, but you can uh, find him uh, on the on MeWe, uh, and of course you can join us on MeWe too. It's called The Rise of the Surveillance Capitalism by Mark Weinstein. It's on a TED Talk. You can get it on YouTube. Uh, but at any rate, it's only a nine-minute uh, nine-minute video. But the, ra- the rise of surveillance capitalism. And, of course, when they start, start to surveil you, you lose privacy. Uh, you lose your freedom mm-hmm. and a lot of other things. He explains this. And uh, it, it's, uh, you know, I've I've been talking about this for a lot of years that the technology will enslave mankind, and uh, that oh yeah, you know everything that we do. Well, we are getting the word out, and there's a lot of good things to it. There's a lot of bad, and there's people today that will utilize this for control. And it fits right into the end time scenario of the beast coming in uh, Revelation 13. So as we're going through Isaiah's 24, this week, uh, part 47, Gleaning Grapes, you can be sure that uh, in there somewhere is a place for the Great Tribulation. That, uh, And so um, these are very perilous times. And, uh, you know, I really don't yes, think that many Americans, and especially all the younger generations who are so caught up in this technology um, and, you know, with all their smartphones and, I mean, look at everything they got now. Uh, I don't think they realize how how dangerous this kind of thing is. Oh, they don't. They're trapped and they don't even know it. And so, you know, I've been warning about Google for and all the others for years and years. Uh, We still have connections to Google. I have connections to Microsoft because obviously I use their operating system. There's not much you can do. Some of them, you you know, that's what you have to do. Uh, We are on uh, USA.life and MeWe. We also have a private chat. Uh, that we have over on Telegram. We've had that for quite a while. Um, but uh, all of these things, th- those three, Telegram, MeWe, and USA.life, are not like the others. They're totally, um, th- they are different. Uh, and so uh, MeWe and Telegram both are, are really um, a little different than USA.life, which is more of a Facebook, uh, Twitter type thing. At least they say Twitter. Um, I don't know where the Twitter comes in at, but it's definitely like uh, Facebook. (laughs) But uh, there's been a lot of people uh, joining. I mean, we have people. uh, We got groups of people every week joining us over there. And we have people a little slower over on MeWe. um, But MeWe has... MeWe has more people from around the world. It has a, a, a much broader uh, swath uh, because we've got people that listen to us uh, around the world. And our Twitter feeds, we do too. So, uh, I mean, I've, 
you know, I've got a, a French guy that follows us, and everything he tweets is in French. <laughs> you know, so at any rate. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Okay, I'll see you on the other side. All righty. Gleaning grapes. Harvesting grapes. You know, if you're a wine drinker, you, you wait for the vintages of the grapes every year. It's kind of interesting that when we talk about the end of days and the harvesting, uh, <clears throat> that, uh, you know, you can think of things like grapes, and of course there's the olive harvest. Isaiah in, in this does uh, refer to these kind of harvests. But when we get into these things and talking about prophecy in the end of days, we had left off at verse 6 of Isaiah 24, where he said, Therefore has the curse devoured, that's to consume, the earth. And they that dwell therein are desolate. Um, That implies to be punished or perish because um, when you're on the earth, not only is the earth, and Peter warns of this, going to be devoured by fire, he further says in that same thing, what manner men should you be uh, uh, in all holy conversation? In other words, how you live should be holy. How much more should you be that way? I mean, if you knew that the end of the world was going to you know, happen tomorrow, you would think that you would act better, that you would be holier. Uh, Christians would live as they should. Uh, The unbeliever would repent and come to the Lord. Uh, That's what you would think if you knew that. But see, we do not know the hour of the day. And so in Isaiah 24, it's very much a judgment-type scenario and it implies not just locally on Israel but it it does have and there is no doubt that a lot of the things the prophets talked about you find that the apostles also uh, referred to them and talked about it as well and so Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate, or in other words, by implication, to be guilty. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, meaning burned, of course, literally to melt, burn, or dry up, and few men left. Now there is a judgment on the earth, and the earth is going to change. It's going to have earth changes as... uh, I think his name is Mitch Batros. I interviewed him many, many years ago. And and I'm trying to think what is, I think it was Earth Changes. He had Earth Changes TV and some other things like that. I don't know if he's even around anymore. But many years ago, he, he was talking about a lot of these things. Um, and, of course, we, uh, from what we were talking about from the prophecy, uh, we actually had a few things in common. Now, when we get into uh, the rest of Isaiah 24, uh, we're in verse 7 and 8 and 9. I'm I'm putting those together and 10. 
You know, the problem when you have judgment is the same problem like when COVID-19 hit the world. And now, of course, you know, China kind of got out of it. And then, of course, the news this week has been there's been a bunch of new strains appear in China. And so now they've reinforced a lockdown. And I forgot how many millions were going into lockdown automatically. And, of course, when, when you have a lockdown in China, nobody um, nobody protests. I mean, they go into lockdown. The communists run their country with an iron fist. And, of course, the Christians found that out, and a lot of their churches got torn down. And uh, pastors like Wang Yi and his associate were thrown in prison. So these are the kind of things. And when COVID hits, especially when it came into uh, the United States, suddenly the economy we had was... uh, which was the best practically in the world, and everything that happened was the best here. Uh, Suddenly everything went into the trash heap, and worse than that. Um, Matter of fact, we wound up, I'm trying to think of the figure. I was thinking it was $32 now, our debt is. Um, Just absolutely overnight. Now, see, that's the problem when you're talking about judgment. Now, Now, when we look at covid Uh, We don't think of these things as judgment. We think of these things, well, you know, a number of people uh, over over this course of COVID, since we've pretty much, well, around here, we've climbed out of it. We still have uh, some of the uh, semblances of the COVID here. But, uh, you know, some of them said, well, this is the earth, uh, you know, getting back at mankind and people were referring to it, uh, you know, as mother earth and all these other things, getting back at man for what he's done to earth. Well, I have uh deference to, to that scenario as far as mother earth. That's preposterous because this earth is indeed going to burn up. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. But see, in in verse 7, it says the new wine mourns. Now, when you have new wine, everybody waits for the new vintage. Well, the reason it's mourning is because it's not there. Uh, The the vine languisheth because uh, the thing is drying up. All the merry-hearted do sigh. Why? Because they're not going to have any fresh vintage of the wine. Uh, the mirth of the tabarets cease, and no more partying, dancing girls. Uh, the noise of them that rejoiceth endeth, and the joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. Now, these are just four words. Now, what these describe is not that they have not had a vintage to drink. Not that they haven't been able to rejoice, but that everything suddenly came to an end. And one of the reasons that, and that Isaiah is pointing ahead to is the time when Nebuchadnezzar, who would, you know, who led the Chaldeans, uh, would go into the land and judge the land. And of course, when you have a foreign army going through the land, they pillage, they take, they conquer, they burn, they kill. It's not a fun scenario. 
So in judgment, though, and the thing that Isaiah uses, too, is, is the harvest. And our God is a God of seed time and harvest. And there's a time to sow seed. The word of God that we speak is the seed that goes out and is planted in the hearts of, of people who hear. And only God can add the increase. Seed time. Then there's a harvest. See, when the Lord died on the on the cross, when he gave his life, his life was that seed that redeems many who would believe upon him. He was resurrected from the dead. But one of these days, he is coming again for a final harvest. That's when everybody that is redeemed will be with him, and the heavens and the earth will be new. And that is the end of the harvest. Revelation is very full of this images of the harvest. And when we look at this, not drinking uh, wine with a song, of course, you're not going to be drinking anything uh, with a song because uh, you're going to be watching out. The, the fighting men are going to be equipped. Uh, and if there's any drinking, it, it's not to ignore what's going on. But see, in here, in verse 10, it says, The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. Now, see, there's one thing. You have the walls that where the fighters are on, and then inside of the city, you've got some of the rich and the people with a little bit more. They've got their houses all buttoned up next to the wall and in there, and they are... Even on top of their roofs, there would be fighting people, uh, you know, of, of Israel, of Judah. But see, the whole city is broken down, and everybody is shut up. They don't allow anybody to come in because there is so much going on here. And it says there is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is dark, and the mirth of the land is gone in the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction when the gate is destroyed they can come in the enemy with nothing to hold them back and so isaiah says then in verse 13 when thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done now this is an important verse because even the apostles talk about the fact, as Isaiah is pointing out, that there are those who will, in the midst of judgment, God will know and recognize who they are. And they will be his, and he will get them. And, of course, when you are gleaning grapes, and this is the way it is. Now, in today's modern society, when we harvest, our machines can harvest just about everything. But to say that you harvest 100% is probably stretching it. But we do a pretty good job today doing that. In the old days, I mean, back in Isaiah's days and even uh, my grandfather, uh, it wasn't that way. You couldn't always get 100% of the harvest. But uh, we're pretty good at it now. 
But what he's saying is when you shake an olive tree to try to get the ripe olives down, there will be some left in the uppermost boughs of the tree. And when you're gleaning grapes off the vine, there will be some of those that are going to be missed. Maybe uh, they're not quite come of age or whatever, but they're left on them. So as in the gathering of the olives, so as in picking the grapes for harvest, only a few in the upper branches of the olive trees and the hard to reach, uh, reach places in the grape harvest remain. And so too is, is this in the judgment. There's just a certain portion that are left. Everything else is destroyed. Now, the idea here when we're talking about these kind of things like the harvest is very very prevalent in prophecy in Revelation 14 especially it this is one of the major end time uh, verses or portions And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Why? Because that represents the harvest. And another angel came out of the temple, carrying, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee, to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry, to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even to the horse's bridles, by a space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now, see, when we look at this, we think of this as as uh, Armageddon or Megiddo, um, when the armies are gathered around Jerusalem in the valley. But you see here, this he gathered a vine of the earth, and the vine was cast into the winepress of the wrath of God. This is the wrath of God tribulation portion that it's being described here. And the ones that are being thrown into the winepress are those who have come of fullness in the vine of wickedness. And they're going into this winepress because of their rebellion and their wickedness and the refusal to repent. And, of course, these will be the ones that have taken the mark of the beast that they had been warned not to take. Now, see, as there is one of those harvests, there's also the other harvest, and that's the harvest of the righteous. 
and the Lord will gather those up. There will be those that will come unto the Lord. And, of course, that, too, is written in Scripture. Now, when we look at Isaiah 24, we see this uh, this earth, this situation. We see this both locally with Israel and also on the countries round about Israel. But we also see the languages and uh, the stuff that shows us that in the overall, uh, we see a greater tribulation here. We see a greater uh, prophecy of things to come. Now, in verse 15, it says, Wherefore, because of these things, glory ye the Lord in the fires. That that refers to the valleys. Even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. Now, see, when we look at the isles of the sea, remember, this this is not just Israel where it's at, but Israel is also on the coastland. All of Israel and this whole area um, is known as the Levant. And you follow the coastlands, you can go down into Egypt, you can go up along the line and follow the coast up to Turkey. You can also get around, go across the Mediterranean. And in the Mediterranean, we have various sea isles that are in the seas. But... um, Glorify the Lord in the valleys, even the name of the Lord God in the isles of the sea. And and this is what it says. From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. Now that word righteous is is a, a Hebrew word meaning righteous man. Now it does not refer to Jehovah, but it means a righteous man. But I said... My, now, this is Isaiah, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dre- dealt treacherously. Yea, the, dre- the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. And, you know, there are people that when you get into the midst of it, that there are people who mete out this judgment that God uses. And that was done by the Chaldeans as they carried away inhabitants in their long long and painful captivity uh, because they were going to go in for 70 years. Uh, And they pillaged the temple. They tore down uh, the walls of Jerusalem. I mean, they really did. They, They dealt very, very treacherously. These are the ones who have dealt out the blow, but... It was used, they were used by the Lord God to bring this, just as later on upon Babylon, Cyrus, who Scripture uh, refers to, uh, he's a a Persian or Iranian from Iran, of course. Um, He was known as God's anointed. And God's anointed is the one that was going to therefore uh, deal with Babylon, bring them down after 70 years, and make it possible, order the the Israelites, the, the Jews that are in Babylon, to go back and rebuild it. And so that's the promise to restore um, Jacob back to the rightful place in Jerusalem. 
And, of course, so we see God using, uh, you know, various groups. And so when we look at uh, the principles of this, it's the same thing. When uh, If we go through the kings, if we go through history in the word of God, you will always see that when Israel, and it usually follows uh, if they have a king that will serve Jehovah or not. If he won't serve Jehovah, he ends up leading most of Israel, most of the ones, uh, astray. And if there's a good king, uh, he ends up leading leading them in righteousness. And God will, like when dealt with the uh, judges, Israel was would fall away. The Lord would uh, send uh, their enemies into their midst to oppress them, to bring them back. You know, so you have this constant... Uh, um, you know, you you have Israel, they're living for the Lord, then they fall away from the Lord, God sends judgment, the judgment causes them to repent to the Lord, uh, God forgives them, and the whole cycle begins over and over again. You know, just like scripture says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Paul likened this chastening himself, uh, telling the church that uh your father in heaven does it, and if you reject that chastening, are you not a bastard and not a son? And so he pointed out that that you do have a chastening as a Christian from the Lord God. And so when we look at this, we can even look at nations like America. We can look at uh, nations, any, any of the nations. Now, America is not the worst nation on the face of this earth. But the thing about America, it has always had a solid Christian presence. We've had major Christian revivals, uh, you know, in our schools, the first schools in America, the kids were reading Bibles uh, to learn how to read. And so um, a lot of our colleges today, there, there's a number of them that date clear back when they were actually Christian colleges, seminaries and things. So we have that history, but we have fallen away. Now, we still have churches. We have a lot of churches. But we also have warnings in Revelation that tell us that within this, um, you know, there are those who are rich and in need of nothing that think that they're fine. But they don't know that even going to their modern church, they're wretched, poor, blind, and naked. That's what it says about um, the Laodicean church. Some of them are even dead, and that's why we read the letters to the seven churches to understand and to check ourselves and make sure, hey, you know, are we where we need to be? Well, when we look in America today and we see a lot of the things that we're doing, no, we're not right. Uh, but we are a nation, and if, if you look at what's happened even under Trump, you know, I mean, he openly said today that uh, that he was going to be standing up for a lot of the Christian churches that have been forced by liberal governors to stay uh, uh, to stay home. Uh, he and of course, uh, Pence is a Christian. Uh, Pompano is a Christian, and we have a bunch of them. Uh, you know that are now in the government, right in your you know open. Uh, you have uh, Trump being one of the. Uh, first presidents that have been so uh, anti-abortion and pro-life. He's pro-Israel. He moved, uh, you know, uh, the embassy um, uh, to Jerusalem, declaring Jerusalem is, is the capital of Israel. I mean, there's a lot of things. And 
so we do have even in society and in my social feed many times we we see this fact that there are people that are anti-christian they they don't like the fact they don't like this and so you're always going to have that with within a society but see god determines societies and their ability to live and god can jump into any nation at any time and judge them and bring judgment uh, to them now, China, for instance, um, you know, they have done uh, just an ongoing thing, ignoring the Lord God. Uh, and matter of fact, the Chinese, you know, even in the churches, the people had to swear to the Communist Party, uh, not give any praise or anything to the God. Uh, of gods uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, in other words, given credence to the Father and the Son. Communism is number one in China, not God. They don't care about God. They don't fear God. Well, at what time does a man or a country finally decide they better wake up? Well, there is a time when they wake up, and there is a time when they are so hardened, they don't wake up, and they wind up in the midst of tribulation and the wrath of God. Now, this is where we are in the end of days as far as what we're looking at. There are two major um, harvests that are going to happen, the harvest of the wicked and the harvest of the righteous. You have, and it can be seen like this, the sweet grapes and the sour grapes. We can, you know, those that serve God, those that reject God and utterly won't have anything to do with him. And so in the world, this is where God is going to judge, and he's going to judge who he judges. And uh, so you have this, and when we see this kind of invasion, and of course Isaiah is saying this way in advance, when you see this, you see, you get the picture of how catastrophic this was. I mean, you know, one minute everything is fine. You know, and they had food. They had markets with food. They were able to have reaping, uh, sowing and reaping. They had merchants. They had trade. Uh, they had a lot of things going on. Now, of course, we talked about the fact why they had it in this particular study in 24 and and how <clears throat> because of uh, the Mediterranean and because of a number of uh, various um, uh, places that were really prolific in the trading industry and ships would stop, the whole region was prosperous. And so uh, Judah having the temple they had the prophets they had the priests they had the law you would think they would be fine but they weren't fine they had all the semblance of being fine but their heart was far from the lord now in isaiah 24:17 it says fear that word fear means alarm dread greatly feared or terror i mean when we think what is the greatest terror you would see in in america well to have a total absolute catastrophic event happened here where it closed everything and there was no commerce there was no food there was no jobs there was no ability to do anything 
well, we could look at COVID because that stopped everything. But yet we were still able to function and we're pulling out of it. But see, when we're talking about this, Isaiah 24 has something that I've referred to many times. It's called fear, pit, and the snare. This is God's judgment, and these three different phrases or ideas, the fear, that thing which you greatly feared, or terror, the terror, and then there's the pit. That refers to the fact of a pit that you fall in, and it's so deep you can't get out of it. The snare is a typical snare, like if you were going to snare a rabbit or an animal. And it's upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. And so there's a number of ways that you can make snares. But as far as the making of the snare, you can get the idea there. But the idea is not necessarily how you make the snare or how deep the pit is or the fear. But when judgment comes, that judgment is so complete, there's the fear. Number one, before that army gets to you, they've already pillaged the countryside. And many of the people had seen them coming. And so they had runners of people were running ahead and going wherever they could. And then there was those who had stayed behind and was going to fight. And some of them are dead. And, and there was another group of them that would run. And so there's this, this voice, this uh, fear that just stretches through the land of what is coming. And uh, if you think of Hitler, look at how fast he went from Germany all the way to the coast and was looking across the English Channel to uh, to Great Britain to conquer. And they went through that like a knife through uh, through butter, a hot knife through butter. It's just like nothing flat. And so there's this the first thing that happens, this fear and terror spreads through the land. The next thing that happens is that there's this army, this thing that God sends is so great that it causes those to whom they fall, uh, they, uh, it falls upon to fall into it as if it's, they're being in a pit that they can't get out of. Well, they're in a circumstance that there's no escaping. You can't get away. You're totally, uh, you know, uh, shut up. You, th- there's no way to get away from it. And then there's the snare. If by chance that you have a chance to escape, in the end, you're snared as you try to run away. In the end, you're snared on the outside of the city or down the way. So what this particular verses show, fear, pit, and the snare, it refers, when I look at this, it signifies the kind of judgment that if you saw a man that said, well, I'm going to judge you, I'm going to do this to you, you would have reason to think, well, you know, he's just boasting, he can't do it. Uh, But when you're dealing in prophecy and you're dealing with warnings out of the prophet, when he tells you that this, this emphasizes how catastrophic. Now, you can also find this in Jeremiah 48, 43-44. And Jeremiah, of course, tried to warn Judah, and they wouldn't listen. And so um, 
there is a time that you escape a, a calamity just to face another one, as the name is 519. And, and it says this, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. <laughs> or he went into a house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. See, you escape. But as you escape, there's something there that God sent to catch you. And so this is the idea. This emphasizes. And then, of course, we're not just going to stop in 17 because it goes further than that. And and this is why when you're talking judgment, folks, number one, you know, is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. But because of Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross, not one soul has to pass on into Sheol and death or the lake of fire. Not one. Because all you have to do is believe on him and serve him. It, that's the way it is. But in John 3, though, after John 3:16, it says that there are those that will not come to the light because they love darkness. They're just simply put, there are people, there are souls of men who will not come to the light no matter what you do because they love the darkness. And we've talked about this. But in verse 18... This gives you another picture, okay? And he, and it shall come to pass that he who flees from the noise of the fear. Now, we know what the fear is. That's that army that's going through the land, and there's other people that are fleeing ahead of that. So you've got like a wave of fear coming at your city. And as soon as they hit, you know, there are people that are going to be frightened and start to run. But you see, the thing of it is, is that there are some armies that will say, we're going to stay and fight. But then they end up getting totally destroyed. And he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit. Now, see, if there's some way that you can escape out of the pit, maybe when you fell into the pit, uh, uh, a big tree fell into there so you can escape out of the pit. There's some way that you miraculously escaped it says you're going to be taken in a snare. And it says this, from, For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. In other words, this signifies the absolute judgment of God upon the earth. And when we talk about the earth, it uh, uh, undulates or another ripples and rolls and swells, just like a bad quake. The earth shakes. It moves out of its courses. Uh, it trembles. It, and Genesis 7, 11, uh, says, for the windows from on high are open. Uh, and so we know in Genesis that there was a flood when the windows of high were opened. You know, so when we're talking about the windows on high are open and the foundations of the earth do shake, well, see, the Lord is pouring out judgment, and in that judgment, you're trying to run away. So he shakes the ground you're walking on or the earth you're on, and you're not going to go anywhere because he's trying, He's moving you back into the midst of the judgment because you have rejected what he has uh, tried to do. You have rejected what he has called upon you to do. And you see, if we go into Genesis seven eleven. 
11 through 14, this is in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day, uh, 17th day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, you can say, well, you know, God said he would never, uh, you know, flood the earth again. That's right. He said that. This time it's going to be burned up by fire. That's what Peter says. Welcome to the club. How are you going to escape? Knowing the Lord and walking in him. Because the Lord knows them that are his. Now, I wrote an article just recently about this aspect, about the Lord knowing who belongs to him. When was the last time you prayed to him? When was the last time? I mean, did you receive him? John chapter 1. Were you born again to the Spirit? John chapter 3. First um, John 1, it says, If we walk in the light, he is in the light. Uh, as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Do you walk in his light? Uh, do you obey his word? You know, <laughs> and a lot of this, uh, it comes right back to confession of sin. Yeah, you're a sinner. Uh, and you can read a lot about confession of sin in the Bible. And one place to start is from Romans 3 through Romans 7. And if you're wondering about some of the finer points of how this all works, you can read Hebrews because that gives you a good little look at a lot of good things. The bottom line of it is, folks, is that this gives you another picture. And this is why when we look at this book, we, you know, I personally call this Isaiah's apocalypse because this is the kind of thing that is truly an apocalypse. So you flee from the noise of what is everybody is scared to death. And as you're fleeing, and of course, what are you doing when you fear something? Many times people will run and they'll look back. Remember what the angel told Lot's wife? He told them to leave and don't look back. What did she do? Look back. What happened? Judgment. She turned into a pillar of salt. See, but see, people will do this. People will look back. Am, am I making it? You know, and they prove it. If you're running, you, you do not look back. That slows you up. You run. You look for an opportunity to get out of the way. For instance, if you're in the woods and a bear comes at you, you can't outrun that bear. The best thing to do is get up a tree, get out in a branch that he can't climb out of, something. Uh, but you're not going to outrun him. Uh, and he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit. So you're looking and you're seeing that and, you know. What's coming at you, and because you weren't watching, you fell into that pit, and so you're taken. Well, maybe you were one of the lucky ones that got out. Then there's the snare. It says, shall be taken in the snare. In other words, this has three different judgments inclusive in it, aspects of it, not describing the particular judgment, but describing this particular thing that happens when humans face absolute catastrophe. Almost inevitably, fear is going to be there, especially, I mean, point of fact, 
we covered much of the news when ISIS was going through the Middle East. And it was a mess. And anybody that stayed around didn't go well. And see, this is the thing. And this is why it's good to understand and to rest in the fact that God knows those who are his. Now, one of the best little psalms there is for understanding is Psalm 46. I love this one. Verse 2, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Now this shows the earth in turmoil and tribulation and everything happening, which is the same kind of thing that Isaiah is describing. But it says, therefore, will not we fear? Why won't you fear? Because you know the Lord God and you know his son and you know that he knows where you're at. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raids, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. Other figurative speeches like this follows some of the speeches that uh, it's similar to what Isaiah is talking. Catastrophic, a raging, the kingdoms being moved because they can't do anything about it. And it says, verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now see today in the new covenant, the Lord is our refuge and our hope. And he knows he'll be with us till the end. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, And verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now he says that twice, verse 7 and verse 11. The Lord of hosts, the Lord over all agencies. All the Lord of all the hosts, of all the angels, he is over every everything. Every principality, every power, every kingdom, everybody at all times. But see, we know him through Christ Jesus. And then, of course, when we consider Isaiah and the fact that we did read the curse has devoured the earth earlier, Revelation 16:1 it says and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels go your way go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth now that is revelation and that has to do with the wrath of God tribulation 
And so this is why when we look at this and we see Isaiah 24, and although we can definitely look at this and we can place a lot of this destruction and this stuff locally in the time of Israel, there's also this point that because of the language and what it is talking about, it also is talking about another event at another time. And with that, we're going to be starting in verse 19. And uh, we're not going to be quite done with this, but when we get done, you will understand the shaking of the earth and the tribulation and how unglued things are going to be, which also includes the fact that you know, there's a lot of things with the earth that's going to break down. The ability of, of uh, the difference in uh, the magnetism, which will affect your compasses, the earth's gravity and the pull, and the fact that it can actually wobble out of course. There's a lot of things physically, and scripture points us in this way saying that there's things that are going to happen in the heavens and on earth. And it's going to get so bad that men's heart will fail them for fear of those things. And so, folks, the hope here is the Lord. The purpose here, and there are going to be two major harvest of the wicked and of the righteous. Father, thank you for your word. Bless those who have heard it whenever they hear it, Lord. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, from the preaching, teaching, streaming of this word in Jesus' name. Okay, Tower. Don't forget to go to warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. Are you back? Yes. Well, we're going to have to get out of here. So thank you, everybody, for joining us whenever you do. We're glad to be here with you. May God richly bless you. We love you. We pray for you. And remember, you can send all your prayer requests to the, on our contact page at warn-usa.com. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. We'll see you. Shalom tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.